In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What is peace? Is it just a word or an idea? Is it even true that there is, in fact, such a thing as peace? Now, the word itself, peace, means to join or to tie together into a whole. To join or tie together into a whole. And that's the sort of peace that Jesus is talking about today, that he's pointing to. Not just a word, peace, or an idea, or even a noble pursuit, but peace that actually means wholeness. Peace that is unity and togetherness. Not the sort of peace that the people at the Tower of Babel tried to win, a peace that comes by power and strength and might, by great accomplishment, by storytelling, by words. No, the kind of peace Jesus points to can't be found in mere words. You know this. Talking about peace won't get you peace. Singing a song and sharing a Coke won't do it either. Begging and pleading over and over to just give peace a chance didn't do it. But we talk and we talk about peace, always hoping for it, whether it's in our world or in our church or even in our family. We talk and talk about peace, but we never see it, never experience it. Why is that, do you think? Again, I think it has to do with the nature of words, which is, of course, one of the themes on Pentecost, the speaking of the people who built the tower and the speaking of God's people, his apostles, that gathered together that congregation. Think about children. Think about how they use words, how they come to learn about words. They're fascinated by these words. They'll argue endlessly about the right meaning of words but they don't get any closer to enjoying what the words really point to because they're caught up in applying the right word to the right thing. What is this? Rather than just saying this and enjoying it. (laughs) They don't understand, these children, that you can't carve up the world and control it and settle any differences by simply words. Or in the case of my children, screaming words. (laughs) But maybe we're still children in a way, that we, like our children, believe that words have a magic power to them. It used to be called casting a spell, or if you prefer, spelling, to use words to accomplish something, to apply these words to a problem, and by and by, to take the problem into submission. So believing that you can enjoy peace And actually, all the attributes of God that he gives you, love and faithfulness, togetherness and hope, by simply talking about it. But that's not true, of course. You can't talk your problems into submission. Nor can you bring peace and togetherness and unity by simply wishing it to be so 
just throwing out the word peace, or even redefining the term peace. Experience has proven this often enough, I think, for us. Reality does not bend to our attempt to change the words, the definitions, to make these words play by our rules. And this really has to do with the nature of speech and actually who speaks. The beginning of John's Gospel goes this way. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was already with God in the beginning. Everything came into existence through Him. Not one thing that exists was made without Him. He was the source of life, and that life was the light for all people. The Word. You can't talk about a thing like peace, or you can't talk about a thing like peace over and over. You can even talk it to death, but it really doesn't change it. Your words don't change reality. So the same, your words can't change the human heart. Your words can't push back or fight off your real enemies of sin and death. Your words can only describe what actually exists, or you can twist and turn your words to tell a lie about what is true. So you can only lie about the truth or tell the truth as God speaks it to you. For example, with sin and death, you could try to define and describe and even lay out new rules for how sin and death ought to work. So-and-so passed away rather than simply died. But you notice that even saying passed away doesn't change the reality that before you stands or sits or lays, rather, someone who's died. But not so with God. God's word, that is Jesus, your Savior, what he says, he does. God's word stops sin and death in their tracks. He speaks, and what he says actually happens. Of course, this is as it was in the beginning. He said, let there be light, and the universe exploded with light. He says, you are my people, and I will be your God. And a thousand years later, he is still here. You are his people, and he is your God. He says, I will suffer and die for you. That was his promise. And he was born in the flesh, and he suffered, and he died for you, as he said. He says, this is my body, and this is my blood. And in the mystery of his coming in and under bread and wine, he gives himself to you. Truly, really, body and blood, forgiveness and life, as he says. He does this all for you because he says he will. For God to speak is to do. All this gets us back to the text. When Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, he leaves peace with you, his peace. It's just that simple. But can you taste? Can you touch? Can you see his peace? Is it still just an idea or a word that God declares? Does God need you to define what peace is? 
and write up rules about how his peace needs to be exercised. No, of course not. That would be foolish to tell God how to do his job. Of course, that doesn't stop us, does it? But as with our children who spend a lot of time talking about a thing and not actually just enjoying the thing, my toy, my toy, rather than just enjoying the toy, so it is an enormous waste of time when we could just simply be enjoying his peace Instead, we're trying to find it when it's been here the whole time. His peace comes when he calls, gathers, and keeps you together in his church. The only true and lasting peace is here that the world has ever known. A peace that he accomplishes by his speaking and by the work of his spirit whom he sends to us. The peace that Jesus promises is yours by way of gift in the way that his word works amongst us here, through preaching and water and bread and wine. His peace is yours in the way of selfless love, selfless giving. Do you want peace? You don't have to talk about it or figure out how to get it. It's here. Put your eyes upon the font and the altar and the pulpit. Fix your ears upon the word of forgiveness that he declares over and over to you in his service. And then hold fast, cling to his selfish love. Don't worry over your words, your definition and rules, and what you think peace ought to look like. That would be unfulfilling. Instead, listen. Enjoy the word of Jesus, his word of peace. He actually does what he says. That's because Jesus doesn't need your definitions or rules to get done what he wants to give to you. He just says it, and it's done for you again. He says it this way. Baptism now saves you. It's done. You are forgiven. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Or if you're looking for peace in the congregation, he says it this way. Love each other as I first loved you. He says it, and it's done. So then what does peace actually look like? What does it amount to? Is it just a word or an idea? Again, is it even true that there is such a thing as peace? Well, the peace that Jesus points to is more than just a word. It is, in fact, real. The peace of God is not just a lot of words or an idea or a noble pursuit. God's peace is not just about you. You see, God's peace actually is about making you whole again, forgiving you of your sin and bringing you together with fellow forgiven sinners, gathering you together around his word, to stand around his font, to kneel at his altar, to sit at the foot of his pulpit. And why does he gather you together in unity in this way? Because the only true peace that you can enjoy with one another in this life or the life to come is the peace of Jesus, which is spoken into reality for you in the gospel. That means that true and lasting peace does not come through vain repetition, simply talking about peace. It doesn't come as the people at the Tower of Babel tried to make peace by way of earthly power, gathering together in a city and 
trying to overcome God with their accomplishments. You can organize yourself, you can march and protest and legislate about peace, you can vote over it, you could debate it, you could argue about what it even means, codify the rules, and you still won't know a moment's peace. But the peace that Jesus gives is a peace that surpasses all understanding, is a peace that the world cannot understand, and it's already yours in the way of the gospel and the gifts that he gives to you. God's peace is brought into your midst here and now. God speaks, and you're baptized. God speaks, and you're forgiven in his body and blood. God speaks, and you're given life in his good news. You are given peace in Christ Jesus. This is all the same as saying, God speaks and thereby gives you love so that you may enjoy his peace. Thanks be to Jesus for his peace and his holy name. Amen.